This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Bors and James Forsyth. So James, today we had the new GDP figures out from the ONS. Can you tell us what it says? Well, the figures show that the economy grew by 0.8% in the first quarter. But worryingly, it shows that the economy actually contracted in March, albeit by only by 0.1%. And I think the question is how much of this has been driven by the consequences of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the rise in energy prices and the like. And I think it is going to add to the worries that we are in for a very difficult economic period. And if you think about it, the Bank of England is forecasting that inflation is going to hit 10%. It is very hard to see how inflation at that level has been wrung out of a system previously without a recession. And I think that is a concern. I think there is also a concern that we we now appear to be in a period where uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, this is going to be a kind of long and protracted conflict, which is going to have kind of medium term consequences for both energy prices and food prices. And then I think you've got the point we've discussed on this podcast before, made by Ken Rogoff, a former IMF chief economist, that if you look around the world, it's very hard to see where the growth is going to come from, what what is going to get the, the world economy through this year. But the Chinese growth rate this year is going to be disappointing. Look at the fact that Shanghai, one of its most important commercial cities, is shut down. That also obviously has consequences for global supply chains, for shipping and, and the like. The US economy is clearly being overstimulated, and inflation is, is a big problem there. And Europe is going to get hit not only by high inflation, inflation is at the highest level it's ever been in the Eurozone, but also but the European economy broadly is going to be hit by higher energy prices because of Ukraine, especially, which, I mean, look, look at how high the European regional gas price is. And then in terms of the rest of the world, the consequences for the Middle East and North Africa of this disruption to agriculture that is stemming from Russia's invasion of Ukraine are, are going to be quite profound. So, so where is the growth going to come from? So, Katie, not a pretty picture, which is partly of the reason that the Cabinet had a meeting today. And they went in London for it. And tell us what they discussed and where they were. So they're in Stoke and the cost of living cabinet is one of a series. I think this is the second cost of living cabinet so far um, where Boris Johnson is trying to say that he is on the front foot when it comes to dealing with the crisis and is imploring his cabinet to do more. It's interesting. I think ministers have a bit of a mixed reaction to the being told to come up with solutions to the cost of living crisis because all the solutions are being asked to come up for non-fiscal solutions, which means they're not supposed to cost money. And actually, it's not supposed to be things such as lower taxes bring an income tax cut forward it's basically more department specific so you have uh, various ideas about for example MOTs about childcare the number of professional can can look at and the intention is to show that the government is very focused on trying to find all these ways to help but obviously it just draws more attention away to what the government isn't doing and you can argue that they shouldn't be spending more because of where inflation is at you can argue the the economy is in such a tricky place. There are very limited options. But I think with all these um, cost of living cabinets, we expect more to come. You can't get away from the fact that anything they really announce in terms of these smaller measures is so small fry when you compare it to the, to the general situation that most people find themselves in right now. 
Mm. And James, also in Westminster today, the Met Police have announced that they have issued 100 more fines to do with Number 10's partying. Tell us about the story. So the Metropolitan Police have given an update. There's now over 100 fines for Downing Street and the Cabinet Office, which is obviously you know, a, a huge embarrassment mm. to the government. Labour have responded to this, but their response, I think, has been relatively muted. I mean, it's not been as strident a response as you would get, I think, if it wasn't for the fact that Durham Police were currently... Um, investigating this whole, I mean, do I think the absurd title, we have to call it Beer Gate or whatever it is. <laughs> well, Douglas Murray was very good on that um, in the magazine this week. No, uh, and, but I, mean, I think for all the government there, but Number 10 have been very quick to say that there have been no fines for Boris Johnson or, or his wife or the Cabinet Secretary. Uh, and so, you know, on we wait to find out, you know, when the Metropolitan Police will conclude their work. And then after that, we will still have the Sue Gray report to come out. And I think the, the, one of the problems for Number 10 is, they never know when this story is going to flare back up again. And I mean, that, that's the problem, because what Tory MPs feel about the story is, I think, exhaustion, just to kind of, why won't this go away? And so I think this is, this is just a reminder that this is this wild card issue in British politics right now, which can just pop up, you know, often at the worst possible moment for the government. And Katie, this comes as today a YouGov poll suggests that Beergate has not had negative impact on Keir Starmer's approval ratings. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, do you think he played it right in you know, kind of announcing that he will resign if he gets fined so he actually kind of looks OK for now? Yeah, I think you always have to be careful about reading anything from one poll because there's also been focus groups where those running the focus groups are saying it is coming up in not in the same sense, I think, as Boris Johnson, but in more of a sense of, well, he's another politician who yeah. misleads. He's a politician who's been caught at changing his story and therefore I, I think all these interviews where he's been pressed and struggling to come up with answers uh, have been helpful and also there was one poll suggesting Labour was, was losing a bit of support but uh, I think in terms of how Labour have played it this week I think faced with quite a bad situation I think Keir Starmer made the best he probably could of that by saying that he will resign if he, if he receives a fixed penalty notice because it's meant that he can go out there and not face constant questions about which he otherwise would have done. And although it's a gamble, I don't think he has the demeanour and the I don't think he's the type of politician who could say, oh, just wait and see. I think this idea of holding a position and then perhaps rubbishing what the police are saying was never going to work with Keir Starmer. So actually, if he did, if he were to receive a fine, it's really hard to see how it'd stay in place given his old shtick has been to say um, I'm a principal politician unlike Boris Johnson so I think by coming out early to do it it's it's definitely meant that Labour have a bit more control and it's made some Tories a bit uncomfortable but I would think taking a few steps back I don't think most people think Beergate is equivalent to some of the more serious allegations when it comes to Partygate obviously where the equivalent is actually more relating to Rishi Sunak and turning up early to that meeting. But I don't think Keir Starmer being in the news with lots of questions about parties is a net plus. And if you want to read more about Keir Starmer and Beergate, you pick up this week's magazine where Casey's written the covers on how Keir Starmer came to that decision to promise to resign uh, and, what, and what Tory strategists make of it. And James, also the Northern Ireland Protocol is obviously another massive story going on at the moment as it really does look like uh, the government is going to take unilateral action. The EU today have retaliated and saying it would be utterly un- unacceptable. T- tell us about that. So there was a very um, 
testy is the, 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 the diplomatic word you've been used by the British side to describe it. Phone call between Liz Truss and Mario Sestovich, the, the, the Commission Vice President, who's, who's handling the protocol issue. And essentially the British are saying to the EU, you need to change your mandate because merely technical fixes won't work. Mm. The Commission are saying, well, hang on a second, you know, you A, keep changing what you want, B, you sign this document, and C, acting unilaterally isn't the way forward. And so there is definitely a kind of amping up of the rhetoric on the UK side and the EU side saying, well, you know, don't think if you do this, try and do this unilaterally, there won't be consequences. Meanwhile, you know, there is this whole question about how you get the executive up and running. DUP are very adamant they will not go in until they get changes to the protocol. So in another bit of mood music, you know, we read that the um, the Times today reports that Sir Brabham, the Attorney General, has said that, you know, it would be legal under international law for the UK to unilaterally override the protocol. Her argument being that it would be, that would be acceptable because the UK would be moving to protect a pre-existing international agreement, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. Now, I think the significance of this is, is not that every international lawyer is going to agree with us. There will be a lot of people who say, say no, 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 it's not legal international law. But I think, I, think there's, I think it's A, a change in tone from the Internal Market Bill when the government almost you know, gladly announced that it was breaking international law in a specific and limited way. And I think that the government's hope will be that it gives this bill a chance of getting through the House of Lords because if the government ends up having to Parliament act it to get it through the Lords, which I think is a, is a distinct possibility you know that would be a delay of at least a year and so you would then not be resolving this issue until very close to the next election which means that if the eu then responded by kind of cancelling the, the the brexit trade deal or whatever you know the economic consequences would be felt right as the country prepares to go to the polls yes there's lots of talk of right now of this big brexit bust up which obviously james was the first to write about last week in the magazine but i think when we're talking at timescales, it obviously feels as though we're heading towards a clash potentially next week if the government unveil this legislation or go further the plans. Some some rumours that Boris Johnson could give a speech on the issue. But in terms of timescale, I think the sense is still that the EU would retaliate when this actually became law. Um, so obviously that could change. But I think if we're looking at when this could start to be felt, if, if it does, for example, lead to, you know, the trade being ripped up, people feeling the effects of that, I think it's probably a longer timescale scale then you know this is about to happen in the next few days so expect the rhetoric to keep rising Mm. katie and james thanks very much and thank you very much for listening if you like what we do here at the spectator remember you can subscribe to the spectator for just one pound a week and get unlimited digital access and if you want the print access as well to get the magazine delivered to your door then that's just another pound extra to get this offer now you can go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited thanks for listening